On September 11th, Terry Strata was living in Chatham, New Jersey. Her husband was killed in the North Tower of the World Trade Center, leaving her to raise three children, ages seven, four, and four days old. She is the national chair of 9-11 Families and Survivors United for Justice. Terry has dedicated her life to ensuring 9-11 survivors, victims, families, and all Americans receive justice. She's worked tirelessly to expose Saudi Arabia's role in the financing of the 9-11 attacks. She worked for seven years to win congressional passage in 2016 of the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act, or JASTA. It paves the way for U.S. citizens to hold foreign governments accountable in U.S. courts for supporting terrorism against Americans. And now she's fighting to uncover the truth and the people who supported the 9-11 hijackers in the weeks, months, even years before the deadly attacks. This week, the Justice Department is expected to decide if important information redacted in FBI and DOJ documents can be revealed. I sat down with Terry to talk about how she plans to move forward. Her thoughts on the murder of Saudi dissident Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi and getting through 9-11 year after year. So give us some background on JASTA. Do you think most Americans even know what it is? Boy, we, we, <laughs> we were in the news so much back in 2015 and 16, I'd like to think a lot of people know, but probably not. Um, JASTA is the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act legislation that was needed because when the families got together and filed a lawsuit against the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the courts kept misinterpreting the law and granting them sovereign immunity, which they were not entitled to because no one is entitled to sovereign immunity regarding a terrorist act. So there was a loophole in the Foreign Sovereignty Immunity Act that needed to be closed, and that's what JASTA did. And once JASTA was enacted, the courts could no longer grant the Kingdom sovereign immunity and now they are in the lawsuit and we are suing them three congresses it took before it was finally put on the president's desk which was president obama at the time actually the entire time jasta was moving through congress he was the president seven years of his eight-year tenure he decided to veto the bill and sent it back to us uh, much to our you know dismay anger and and hurt um, but we overwhelmingly overrode his veto override. Um, 97 to 1 in the Senate and 347 to 77 in the House. Did you wonder why? Why did he choose the Saudis over the 9-11 families and over the American people? He kept insisting that JASTA would do harm to our military, and that was an outright lie um, because JASTA only deals with foreign countries. You, you can't sue an individual under JASTA. So he never met with us, and he did not meet with Congress. He would not meet with any of the committee chairmen. He did not meet with Mitch McConnell, to my knowledge. I know that he was very much afraid it was going to be 100% in the Senate that morning. He was nervous about that. But it ended up being 97 to 1. And it was the one and only veto override of his entire eight-year tenure as president. Do you think it would have been a different outcome had it been a Republican president? I don't know the answer to that. I have no way of knowing. This was bipartisan. It's actually nonpartisan. You know, this is national security. And um, they put a lot of pressure on the leaders, on Chuck Schumer, John Cornyn, to to uh, kill the bill, actually, because the State Department came over about three weeks, maybe a month before we enacted it, 
and went behind closed doors and in confidential meetings and the message was kill the bill but the leaders said no we can't do that to the 9-11 families and we can't do this to the American people I mean we're fighting for the truth you know we're fighting for accountability to hold the Saudis accountable there's no way Congress would ever allow that to happen and yet we didn't hold the Saudis accountable after 9-11 that's true that the administration got it wrong but the 9-11 families knew very early on. I joined a lawsuit in 2002, and many families did. A lot more have come over the past decade. But in the beginning, we were told how airplanes, it was a possibility that airplanes were, could be um, hijacked and used as missiles. And when the investigation started, it was really following the money, the money trail. And the money trail was always leading back to Saudi Arabia. I mean, yes, 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi Arabian nationals, but so was Osama bin Laden. And, you know, they might come out and say, well, we cut off his funding. We never believed that, not for a minute. And did anybody investigate that? Is there any, you know, evidence of that? But the money was coming from somewhere. And it was being funneled through their charity organizations, their state, you know, run charity organizations to build mosques around the world to spread the evil Wahhabi, um, Islamist agenda. And part of that was death to Americans and kill and destroy Americans. They were well aware of it, the Saudi um, leadership. They funded it and they allowed it. So you win the right to sue and now you need documents that our government says you can't have. Yes, that's true. Um, so when the Saudis were put back in the case and discovery was ordered, um, the Saudis came back and asked for everything to be sealed that's coming from our intelligence agencies. So while the lawyers are privy to a lot of this information, we, the, the, the family members, are not. But there is a very specific document now. It was a 2012 FBI investigation. And in that document, it talks about, well, it, it's, it's blacked out. There's a name that's blacked out that says who tasked Bayoumi and Thumari. And these are two Saudi agents that were in California aiding and abetting two, at least two of the 19 hijackers while they were here in this country. So that name, who tasked Thumari and Bayoumi is very important to us. And uh, right now, it's it's with a, um, Attorney General Barr. He's making the decision, I believe, on the 12th, whether or not he's going to release the name. And what's happened is the DOJ wants to invoke state secret. This is not a state secret, plain and simple. This is a name that we are entitled to see. So I'm really going to keep my fingers crossed and pray and hope that will do the right thing and apply the law correctly and faithfully and we will see this name released. Is this necessary in order to move your lawsuit forward? No, the lawsuit will move forward regardless. There, there's, like I said, there's a lot of evidence that I'm not privy to. I mean, they'll throw garbage at us also and they'll throw repetitive documents at us just to waste time, just to kill time in the courts um, because it's eventually the judge will force us to move on. But right now we're still in the discovery phase, so we're still um, investigating and, and getting these documents, you know, released from the FBI, but it is like pulling teeth. And it really shouldn't be that this way at all. We should not be fighting our own Department of Justice. And I don't know who or why they protect the Saudis like they do. All I know is that they do it and um, we fight them and a lot of times we're successful. So I, I believe we're going to continue to be successful. I think the American people should know what's happening. I, I believe they would be outraged if they knew. You know, is it frustrating that we only talk about this or it feels like we only talk about this 
around 9-11. Yes, absolutely. You know, that's right. When people want to know more about um, where you are in your life and what you've been doing. But I've been doing this, you know, 365 days out of a year. I was actually working till 11 o'clock last night with my lawyers um, on some evidence that, you know, we needed to discuss and, and, and you know, bring me up on so I understand where we are with things. So yeah, it's frustrating. It only happens around the anniversary. And it seems like we're always fighting for something around the anniversary. I mean, that's how JASTA came to a head in on September 28th of 2016. So in 2016, you know, on the 11th, we didn't know if we were going to have the law or not. And here we are waiting for this very important name. And they're going to make us go through an anniversary not knowing if we're going to have the evidence that we deserve. Now you are going to get a trial, right, of the five accused of plotting the September 11th attacks. Well, Guantanamo Bay, that trial date, you're right, has just now recently been set for January 11th of 2021, I believe. Um, And Sheikh Mohammed, he is the mastermind behind 9-11. So he has been accused of drumming up the entire plot and going to Osama bin Laden with it and saying, you know, this this is a good idea. And then the four that are on trial with him worked with him to recruit the 19 hijackers. So they were all in the logistics of bringing together the plot. But then behind who was funding the plot was the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, we even have the one that's out in Colorado in, in lockdown, the the 20th hijacker or the possible 20th hijacker because that's arguable too Masawi has come out and said you know I was the bookkeeper and the money was definitely coming from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia how frustrating it is so frustrating I really don't even know how to describe it because it feels sometimes like there is a boot a heavy boot on my throat and I can't get my air I can't breathe or on my chest you know it's there's so much pressure knowing that our administration you know falls in love with the Saudis you know administration after administration I mean it it started well Clinton didn't have you know the guts to go after them and he should have because they had clearly attacked us the USS Cole and our embassies in Africa he didn't have what it took to to go after them and Bush comes into office and, and, and we're attacked so brutally and he cowers to them and works with Bandar to get them out of the country, um, which we now have evidence that money was going through Prince Bandar's wife's bank account in the Saudi consulate out to California to these two handlers, to Thumari and, or actually I think to Basnan's wife, uh, and to her wife's account, saying that she needed it for medical expenses. And that story is unraveling and, and proving to not be true. Um, and then, you know, Obama comes along and, and does nothing to move the needle. And even though he did agree to declassify the 28 pages, they still withheld, if you if you added it all up, about three pages worth of information. And it was all the important, uh, vital things that we needed to know. They still blocked out some of the most important things. And everything is, you know, in national security. It's 18 years later. Now, you cannot keep hiding behind national security. And we don't care what your procedures were or your methods. We, we don't, we're not asking for that. Just give us the names, give us, you know, the information that we're asking for. What went through your mind when you heard about the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? Well, I think nothing surprises me, you know, with the kingdom. I mean, when MBS took, you know, control, the first thing he did was round up his own people and basically, you know, I heard hung them from the ceilings and beat them 
until they decide, you know, agreed to give him money. And then to take out an actor that Khashoggi, who, from what I understand, was a thorn in his side, um, so brutally and, and so savagely, the chainsaw. I mean, should that shock me? They, they took knife cutters on 9-11 and slashed the throats of passengers and pilots. And there were children on those airplanes. You know, these are ruthless people. And he's just a, a thug, in my opinion. But the fact that you know, nobody did anything about it, it's mind boggling. Did, did you want to speak out at that time? I did, absolutely. And the press, you know, the media did not invite any 9-11 families on to counter, you know, the horror of what happened to Khashoggi with what happened on 9-11. They didn't talk about 9-11. It was just like the Saudis have done this one bad thing. No, they've done terrible things beginning with, like I said, the USS Cole, the embassies and, and 9-11. And they're, they're, they're just a very evil monarchy. Okay, so where are we today as we're heading into this 18th anniversary? Yeah, uh, uh, personally or? <laughs> yeah, where are you? Uh, personally, it, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised that it's getting harder and not easier. Um, and I thought as bad as it was, as hard as it was when it happened, and I was faced with raising my three kids alone. You know, they were very young. They were seven, four, and four days old. I, I went in a very dark place, you know, I, I, I've lived on the dark side of life. I've, I've lived with depression and, and profound sadness and, and overwhelming emotions. But I chose to get out of that and be as strong as I could and give my kids a childhood that they deserved. And that's why I've put so much of my time and effort into the advocacy work that I do to create a safer America because I don't believe we're safe as long as there's well-funded terrorist organizations out there vowing to kill and destroy us. So my advocacy work keeps my head on straight, um, but life's hard. It, you know, I, I, it's hard. Milestones come, Justin's birthday, 18th birthday was on Saturday, and we take pictures you know, to mark the occasion like any family does, but when you look back at the pictures and he's not in it, it's always a painful reminder. Where do you go on 9-11? Do you go downtown? Do I go downtown? I have in the past. I also, there's a private ceremony here in New Jersey that is a beautiful, um, very solemn place that a lot of 9-11 family members that I've grown to know over the years go to. And there's some comfort in that and being with them um, just to mark the times when the planes hit the buildings and hit the Pentagon and crashed in Pennsylvania. And then when they came down, we seem to all need need each other to get through that. And then the rest of the day, I just reflect. But you know, the 10th is a very hard day also, because it's the last day we were together. And it's the last day, all of my friends were alive too back then. You know, Tom's desk was filled with over 20 people that I knew and loved. And they should be in my life right now too. My life should have been growing old with them you know we were going to birthdays and um wedding anniversaries and and all of that together wedding so i it's just a much harder lonelier existence if i choose not to be a lower manhattan i do have it on my television i do need to see their names and faces and that's something if i go downtown i don't get i don't get to see the faces like they put them on the television because i easily know 20 30 people that died that day so that's the one time of year i get to see their face again and i hear their name and as painful as it is i just feel it's it's important to do what about your children and their friends 
Are they able to grasp the gravity of that day? No, I don't think so. You know, Tommy was seven, so his age group. I, I think parents sheltered their kids when after 9-11. I know they did. I had friends who didn't tell their kids about it. And, you know, they might have been in the same classroom as my child. Um, but Caitlin was four years old. You know, she was in nursery school. Or, why would any parent sit their child down and tell them this mo- most nightmarish nightmare that was happening in our country? You know, the, to tell your children that they took airplanes and crashed them into buildings to kill people, that's a... That's not a story anybody would sit and tell their child if they didn't have to. So I think children were sheltered um, by their own parents. Justin was only four days old. His group of friends really don't know anything about it. And I, I am shocked that our schools, that we don't educate the children better. And I, and I do believe that it wouldn't, why not do a summer reading? You know, there's so many good books out there. Looming Towers, you know, is one of them. Um, the Watchdogs Didn't Bark is another one that are factual, you know, of, of what led up to 9-11 and, and certainly shows who was behind it and, and how it happened. How can we help you as Americans as you move forward with this lawsuit? What can we do? Well, there is a website, um, passjasta.org, and I'll update it now with another anniversary coming because there are times that phone calls into your member of Congress, putting pressure when when we have something in front of Congress that we need them to help us with. And I don't have anything today to tell the American people to do, um, but if they frequently, if they go back and look at this website, you know, they might run across something sometime when we need their help. Um, sending the, your prayers and, and love to all the 9-11 families on that day, we, we, we feel it, we appreciate the support. Of the American people. Americans are tremendous, big-hearted, generous people. And I have felt that over the years from them. Thank you. Thank you.